Here we go. You're listening to Bible Study Wednesday on this September the 25th in the year of our Lord 2019. We're going to be taking a look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to be making an interesting point that one really doesn't understand the Old Testament fully until you have the New Testament. Why? Because in the New Testament, the prophecies of the Old Testament are fulfilled, especially when Jesus points them out as being fulfilled and helps us to understand, therefore, the whole purpose of the Bible is to point to Jesus Christ as our Savior. So, our Bible study gives an opportunity for congregations maybe to be meeting together 9.30 Wednesday mornings. And then after my program ends in a half hour, they can talk about what we had spoken of. And you can either have your pastor with you, or if you don't have a pastor, it's an opportunity for a Bible study. Matthew chapter 11. This is about... When John the baptizer is in prison, remember Herod put him in prison because he complained about the marriage that Herod had, that it was immoral. So so that makes a point right there. It is not inappropriate for pastors to speak against the immorality of what's going on in the country. So if a pastor wants to speak about those who are for immoral lifestyles or for other things that are contrary to the Word of God, we ought to preach about that so our congregations are equipped to know what to say when they meet somebody who disagrees with us. But chapter 11, verse 1, Matthew. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their city. I'm sorry, cities. Now this means he had already chosen his 12 disciples. And we need to realize that some of those disciples have been disciples of John the baptizer. But he now was in prison. So they were now with Jesus, not because they chose to be with Jesus, but because he had selected them. Verse 2, and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. Now, the Bible isn't necessarily written in chronological order. In other words, you may be having something that Jesus said early in his ministry, followed right away by something he said later in his ministry, and then back to early in his ministry. But there's no doubt that the disciples have been called by Jesus, and Jesus had done a number of miracles. So John sent the disciples to Jesus, two of them, and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now, scholars disagree 
as to whether that was really a question on the mind of John the Baptizer or whether he was using the opportunity to send the two disciples so they would learn from Jesus himself what John already knew. Remember, this is John the Baptizer who, when he saw Jesus coming to be baptized, behold, the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. And when Jesus said, I need to be baptized, John said, no, 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 I need to be baptized by you. You don't need to be baptized by me. But Jesus says, no, in order to fulfill all righteousness. And what Jesus meant by that is that Jesus had to undergo the baptism of repentance that John the baptizer was doing. It was a ceremonial baptism. It wasn't the wonderful baptism at Pentecost, the sacramental baptism, but it was a way in which individuals proclaimed publicly that they were sinners and repentant of that sin. Jesus took on our sin when he was baptized by John. So others would say, no, here John was in prison. He probably expected that things would be going better for him and maybe for the country, and things seemed to be not doing very well for him. So are you the coming one, or are we to look for another? Could be his own words. I personally, but this is not a pastoral decision, this is just my own opinion, I believe that John the baptizer did not doubt that Jesus was the Christ, but he was using the opportunity to help the disciples come to a greater and deeper understanding of whom Jesus was. Remember, it was John the baptizer who leaped in the womb for joy when Jesus came into the room in the womb of Mary when she had come to visit Elizabeth. Now, verse 4. Jesus simply could have said, yes, I am. But you see, the Bible always gives us evidence for what it is teaching and preaching. For God so loved the world that... Okay, how much did he really love us? The evidence is... He died on the cross for you. There's no greater love than that. Paul talks about, yeah, sometimes may, someone may die for a friend, but rarely will you die for a stranger. But he died for his enemies. So what Jesus is going to answer is with evidence. Go and tell John the things that you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. What does that mean? Why is Jesus talking about people who are blind can see, lame can walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf can hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. What is Jesus doing here? He's actually quoting from the Old Testament. 
and particularly from the book of Isaiah. Now, you could just write down these passages. Uh, We don't want to go through all of them. We want to stay with the Matthew right now, but they're in Isaiah. And if you want to write them down, it's chapter 26, verse 19, chapter 29, verse 18, chapter 35, verses 5 and 6, chapter 42, and 18, and chapter 61, 1 to 2. Now, those normally can be found in a Bible that has notes. And you can look them up, and sure enough, there's a promise that when the Messiah comes, not only will he take upon himself our sins and pay the punishment for them, but one of the evidences that he truly is the Messiah is these things are going to happen, these miracles. Now, I want to touch one miracle that Jesus himself says the people missed the sign. That was the feeding of the 5,000. After he fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children, they kind of chased after him because it was obvious they thought he was a bread king. He was maybe the Messiah that they had been taught would come to take care of the Romans and restore Israel to its former grandeur. Jesus himself says, you saw the sign, but you missed the sign. In the Greek, the word sign can also mean miracle. And what's he saying? You saw the feeding of the 5,000, but you missed its meaning. This is why it's very important that individuals attend worship and Bible study because just reading the Bible often doesn't give you the meaning behind it. Now, one I use all the time, Luke 15, the parable of the lost sheep. How many times have you heard some pastor say, well, the parable of the lost sheep means that we too need to look for those who are lost and save them. No, that that is totally the wrong meaning. This isn't me saving anybody. This is Jesus saving me. He finds me. He puts me on his shoulders. He carries me home. And that occurred in the waters of baptism. So how do I bring people to faith in Jesus? Well, he says it, Matthew 28. Go ye therefore, make disciples. How? By baptizing and teaching. So through word and sacrament, we bring people by the power of the Holy Spirit into a right relationship with God. So here's a beautiful example where Jesus quotes the Old Testament to show that he truly is, as they asked, are you the coming one? or the Messiah. Uh, By the way, the word Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. And both mean the anointed one, which occurred at John the baptizer's baptism when Jesus was anointed. And Jesus, therefore, answers their question. Yes, and here's the evidence because of these wonderful miracles 
that are occurring through me and the Father. Verse 7. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John. Now remember, John's in prison. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? No, no, it wasn't somebody who was shaken by the wind. What did you go out to see? Verse 8. A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. No, his garments were not soft that John the baptizer was wearing. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Now, the word prophet here can mean two things. It can, first of all, mean to prophesy concerning the future. Or it can simply mean to preach. And that's what John the baptizer was doing. He was preaching the law. Why? Because he was to prepare the way for the coming messenger, the coming Messiah. The way you prepare for someone who's bringing good news is to remind people of the bad news regarding them. And what is that bad news? They're sinners. They deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. Then, verse 10, once more, Jesus goes back to the Old Testament. For this is he of whom it is written. Now he quotes the Old Testament. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Now, where is that found? That's found in the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. And sure enough, Jesus writes in Malachi chapter 3, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant. So here's once more. Are you the one who is the coming one, the messenger? Behold, he is coming. Jesus, therefore, refers to John the baptizer as the fulfillment of Malachi chapter 3, verse 11 of Matthew 11. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What does that mean? How is John the baptizer great? Remember, he received the Holy Spirit from before his birth. That was a promise given to Zacharias, who doubted it and became mute until John the baptizer was born. And then everybody considered that he would be called after his father, but no, his name shall be John, because that's the name the angel Gabriel had given to him. So, the next point is really good. He who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What does that mean? 
Well, you see, there is no distinctions in God's mind. Paul talks about that. There's no distinction between male or female, Greek or Jew, slave or free. Why are there no distinctions? Because in Christ we are all one. And therefore, even the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the baptizer in the sense that we may know more things than John the baptizer knew. Remember, he died before the crucifixion of Christ, etc. Verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by storm. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Now, one of the other promises that we find in the Old Testament is that Elijah will return. Remember at the crucifixion of Jesus, when Jesus in Aramaic said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The first two words, Eli, kind of sound like Elijah, and people thought he was calling to Elijah because they knew that there was a promise about him coming. Well, was John the baptizer Elijah? All doubt is removed in verse 14. Jesus says, and if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. In other words, John the baptizer was the promised Elijah who is to come to prepare the way for the coming messenger, the coming Messiah, the coming Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 15. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, what does that mean? When you are born, you do not have the ears to hear because you are born in a sinful condition. Because of original sin, you can't tolerate the words of God. I mean, this is why there were a number of religious leaders really against Elijah and against John the baptizer, because they were talking about how important sin is in keeping you out of the kingdom of God. I mean, Jesus sure didn't make points with the Pharisees who didn't believe in him when he said, your father is the devil. And that's because they trusted in him. This is occurring in our world today, in our country, even among Lutherans. Just look at the last convention of the ELCA, where they basically voted that it isn't necessary to preach Jesus Christ into the hearts of Muslims, Jews, and other idolatrous religions. Because who knows what God thinks of them? Well, we know, and Jesus made it pretty clear that if you're offended by Jesus and just read their writings, they believe that it is ridiculous that they have to come to have faith in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. It's part of their religion. So, 
What what Jesus is saying is that John the baptizer is the forerunner to him as promised in Malachi 3, and he's also the Elijah. So in verse 16, Jesus says, To what shall I liken this generation? That's the people living at his time. Now listen how close that what Jesus describes is like our generations. It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying, We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. You see, the world doesn't understand the church. And so... For example, when gay marriage came about, they thought everybody would be happy because now people of the same gender who loved each other now had a way in which they could live together legally. But the church did not dance. And when the people mourned about this and the suicide rate started going up among these people, you did not lament. Well, we always lament over someone who dies unnecessarily. But they need to realize that God has put into place certain negative consequences when one is a sinner. So they're always looking at the prophets. Many of them were tortured and killed in the Old Testament, as Jesus is going to be and John is going to be. And so Jesus says in verse 18, this is really good. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, why would they say that in a negative sense because for them tax collectors were working with the Romans and they were hated by many of the Jewish leaders and of course sinners included not only people living in immorality prostitutes adulterers but even those who were lame blind see we're getting back to the beginning because they were being punished by God for some sin that either they or their parents had done. In fact, that's found in John chapter 9 when Jesus and the disciples run into the man born blind and immediately the disciples jump to the conclusion, who sinned, him or his parents, that he was born blind, which is kind of interesting that they would say something like that. But what Jesus says is, no, no, there's another reason why he was born blind. And the reason is, is so that Jesus could heal him on that day, forgive his sins, and gain one of the most important witnesses, even when he spoke to the Pharisees. But I remember that one statement, the man born blind who could now see, looking at the Pharisees, do you also want to become one of his disciples? And then it says they ekbalowed him out. They excommunicated him. They threw him out of the synagogue. And that's why his parents was were really 
hesitant to answer that this is our son. He's of age. Ask him. He'll tell you what happened. <laughs> they were afraid also of being removed from the synagogue. So what we have here in Matthew 11 is really a beautiful picture of how Jesus uses evidence that is found only in the Bible to make his point. And that evidence, of course, is quoting the Word of God, namely the Old Testament. You can spend hours going through the Old Testament, finding the passages that are fulfilled in the New Testament. And this is one of them. And we pray, therefore, that you know that he came to die for you. And it is exactly as it was prophesied. I'm Tom Baker. You've been listening to a Bible Study Wednesday. Tomorrow's going to be interesting. We've talked about uh, women pastors who no longer believe it's necessary to believe in Jesus, others who are atheists. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about women pastors who are trying to get their congregation to worship plants. That's right. I'm Tom Baker on Rumination Thursday, worshiping plants. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.